Read it! Scram! Get lost! You came in last for the last time! Look, Dad, it's Santa's little helper. And don't come back! Oh, no, you don't. No, no, get away from me. Uh-uh. Oh, can we keep him, Dad, please? But he's a loser! He's pathetic! He's... A Simpson. Four-finger discount, dude! Welcome to the very first episode of Four Figure Discount Revisited. I'm very, very excited for this. Uh, of course, we're going to be reviewing the very first episode. It is episode 7G08, Simpsons Roasting on Open Fire, aka the Simpsons Christmas Special. I am Dando. I am Guy, and ho, 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 everyone. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, which however you celebrate this time of year, uh, we hope you're having a wonderful one. And uh, we're here to help usher it in with our, uh, I guess, our recollection. Dando's been here before. This is sort of my first time doing it. But uh, as he said, revisited. Four Finger Discount revisited. And yes, we're going back to the very, very beginning. Uh, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. A Christmas special. A very special Christmas. A very Simpsons Christmas. Yeah, it it truly is, in my opinion, a great Christmas TV special, this episode. It's very wholesome. It feels very real. It's very relatable. And I just think it was just the perfect way to kick off the series. It's funny because this was intended to be the uh, the eighth episode of the series. But due to the first episode, which was Some Enchanted Evening, being so poorly received when it, uh, when the demos came in, they pushed that back to the end of the season. And this one got um, bumped forward. Um, I just think it was just fantastic. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's a great way to sort of meet the family, but you're right. I mean, it's, a, it's odd that... Uh you know, the first time you do meet The Simpsons is in a Christmas special. I mean, usually the way TV works is you get to know your your favourite TV pals, your favourite TV family or whatever, and uh, after a little while it's like, hey, these are people been, it'll be nice to spend the holiday season with, but nope, they just threw us right in the deep end. But yeah, as you're right, you're right, Dan, it works. I mean, um, I think because, yeah, The Simpsons is a very relatable clan, you know? I mean, uh, they're dealing with... Um, the stuff that I think a lot of TV shows to that stage had um, either just completely ignored or only slightly alluded to, or if they did, uh, you know, sort of talk about, you know, money problems or, you know, stressful in-laws or that kind of stuff, they really sort of played it right up and, you know, played to the back row and made it as sort of, loud and obvious they can. I mean, there's a there's a fair bit of sort of, um, <laughs> I guess, realism is an odd, oh, odd way to describe it. I think it, this is a very real episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, given that you're talking about an animated family. But, uh, yeah, it feels, um, it feels extremely relatable. I think that's a word we're going to keep coming back to and that we should probably... <laughs> Probably put a pin in that one and try to find other words. But uh, no, I mean, I think it's a a great uh, reason for the show's success, uh, for the characters' um, ongoing sort of uh, likability and uh, their their durability. The fact that we um, understand them and uh, can key into what they're like. Absolutely. Well, it's no secret that I was... How old was I when this came out? So this came out in 89. I would have been one, one when this first aired. So... 
I have no recollection of when it, I have no recollection of when it first aired. I remember having to go back and revisit it later on. Um, I think like season three was when I first started sort of watching The Simpsons. Season two, season three. You were around. You were there to appreciate the hype and everything. I mean, in Australia, was the hype as real as what it was what it was in America? Or just just tell us, listeners, what was it like to be around when The Simpsons premiered? Yes, Dando was one years old. I was in my first year at uni. Wow. <laughs> so you were, were you in the were you in the demo uni, then? Actually, do you yeah. think? Like, do you think you were in the target demo for The Simpsons? Or I would say so. Yeah. I mean, look, I was. Um, you got to understand. 89 was, yes, quite obviously a different time. But, I mean, we're also, we're a lot less connected. Clearly, I mean, if there if there's any form of internet at all, you know, maybe 1% of the people using it. The, the, the human person using it is basically frink. It's like, hey, did you know this thing you can talk to people by the internet? Or people's like, by computers. I'm like, what's a computer? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but speaking for myself, I mean, I... Yeah, you know, I was a bit of a pop culture nerd. I was, I would buy, uh, you know, American editions of magazines like Rolling Stone and things like that. And I was sort of on the lookout for, you know, the next best thing or, you know, what was coming. Uh, so, you know, I, I was keeping an eye out for what was what. And I think the, uh, the Simpsons had a fair bit of marketing drive behind it. I mean, certainly in the States and, you know, that bled over into Australia. I mean, uh, I think Channel Ten pushed it fairly hard. I mean, they they put it in prime time up against sixty minutes. Wow! Okay. Uh, you know, it was like seven thirty p.m. on a Sunday night, and yeah, I don't think prime time cartoons was really a thing at that stage. No, not I since mean, the Flintstones, really, was it? No, no, and I mean, even at this stage of the game, you know, Flintstones had been relegated to Saturday morning. Well, the, the Hanna Barbera was not. You, you really can't compare the two. I mean, obviously, the Flintstones inspired the Simpsons, but. In regards to animation, you just simply cannot compare them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of... Um, it's not quite apples and oranges, but it's uh, two very different tasting apples, yep. let's say. So, uh, yeah, but there was, a, yeah, there was a fair deal of, um, of hype. I mean, they were on the covers of magazines and that kind of thing, and there was a lot of commercials and all that kind of business. Um, and, you know, when the show first aired, yeah, I think there was a lot of people tuning in to say, you yeah, know, what's this animated show doing you know when when the grown-ups are, are supposed to be watching tv were, were, know, pe- were people aware of the simpsons in australia when they're just the tracy ullman shorts i don't really think so okay. I mean, to the best of my recollection the tracy ullman show was probably on like the abc at like two in the morning at maybe yeah at, at probably like 10 o'clock at night or something yep, yep. you know and it was a bit of very much a cold item i mean tracy ullman was well known and well regarded because um, she, I, I mean, I, I was a fan because I mean, I, when uh, growing up, I spent a bit of time in England over Christmases and things like that, and she was, yeah, very well known over there. She was on a show called I Think Three of a Kind, oh, yeah. sort of yep. like a sketch show. Yep. yep. And um, I remember really enjoying that, and every, and you know, the general consensus was, this Tracy Ullman's really funny. You know, she's great. And she can do just about anything. So it was kind of regarded as a bit of a coup and but also a bit of a natural thing when Fox snapped her up or when she went to the States and got her own show there. It's like, well of course. I mean, you know, this woman's this talented. You know, it's it makes it makes sense that she would operate on a larger stage. So she was the nineteen eighties James Corden? 
<laughs> That's very disrespectful. <laughs> Actually, look, poor old James Corden cops a lot of shit these days. But um, I'll tell you what, though, one of my I'm not I'm not huge on Twitter, but one of the most well received tweets I got recently was sent was uh, when I said, "Look, times are tough, and when you're feeling down, just remember this: if Peter Jackson had made the Lord of the Rings trilogy just a few years later, you probably would have got James Corden as Sam." And everyone was like, "No, <laughs> it's so true." <laughs> and in all honesty, I can actually see that, and it probably wouldn't be that bad. No, no, I mean. No, no. People don't Cor- like him because Cor- he's very successful now. That's all it is. There's a bit of a that, little bit certainly, of that, yeah, but yeah. and I think he's also one of those people who makes it look a bit easy, you know, which is yeah, not a, a fair. good trick in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think yeah, I, I think one of the other reasons that people don't like James Gordon. I'm sorry, we're going off track here, but um, he said something about. Oh, yeah, you know, you look at what David Letterman did and, you know... Oh, oh, no, I looked at what David Letterman did and said, yeah, I can do that. And so, uh, David Letterman actually changed the face of late-night television and kind of the face of American comedy for, you know, a couple of decades at least. So, you might want to show some respect. I could could bring it back full circle. The Simpsons changed the face of animated comedy. Well played, Dando. (laughs) We're back on track. (laughs) Nicely done, mate. Yeah, but I mean... um, But, yeah, Tracy Ullman was... Simultaneously doing well, I mean, yeah, she'd uh, you know been picked up by an, by an American network, or you know, courted by an American network to have her own show, um, but at the same time, also a bit of a cult personality. Yeah. I mean, she's she's not exactly she's not a, she's not a superstar, but you know, those who love her really love her. Well, she certainly so, she's the reason we have The Simpsons because without those shorts, then this show wouldn't have been given the green light. So I think that would have helped the hype for the first episode as well because. Americans, at least, had seen these characters on TV for a year and a half by this point. But now they're True. getting and their first chance to be a full-length TV comedy. And it's like, oh, can they actually do this? Absolutely. And also the Life in Hell stuff, the, all the Matt Groening cartoons yep. were gathering a bit of speed as well. I mean, those in the know were kind of like, yeah, this is pretty funny, you know. I mean, um, yeah, it, just had, it was a bit edgy and a bit sort of, it was cool. It was cool to be into Matt Groening at that time. Was it day. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, was he sort of considered like yeah. an underground comic by that point, or was he a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, sort of traver- Yeah, walking that line between mainstream and underground. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's not exactly like say Robert Crumb or some really edgy underground comics or anything like that, but it had enough of a bit of um, a bit of tang to it. Yeah, but it was also yeah fairly user friendly as well. But not everyone was into it. But yeah, the it was kind of building. Yeah, yep. was uh, so yeah. So by the time the Simpsons actually came to air in Australia, I think enough word had got around. It's like, you know, it's based on comics by this guy, and it was on a show that you know featuring this person, and you know the cool kids are into it. Why don't you be into it too? Mm-hmm. So um, well, it was viewed by thirteen point four million people when it premiered in the states, which was at that point in time the second highest rated program to ever air on Fox. So. They had an immediate oh, hit on their hands. I th- yeah, I mean, look, I think they, I think they promoted it very smartly. Mm-hmm. And how, how how did they promote it? Because I've read that this first episode was promoted as simply a TV special, and then during this, they were airing promos for the second episode, Bart the Genius, as the season premiere. So this was like not really pitched as the first episode; it was a, a Christmas yeah. special, which I think is probably a cleverer way to go about it because TV special sounds better than pilot episode. 
That's a good point. Yeah, look, uh, I'm sorry, it, it was so long ago. But mm. yeah, I mean, I, I don't really remember the marketing or the push for yeah. specific episodes, but I do remember a general sort of Simpsons vibe that was developing in the in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um or, you know, when um yeah, when The Simpsons actually premiered. I mean it's kinda of like, yeah, this is something you might want to get on board to. This is, you know, this this could be something. You know, I mean uh, so it was a combination of both um yeah, legit marketing, you know, ads in papers, magazines on TV and all that. And a bit of, you know, I guess street teaming, you know, the um columnists or articles or whatever in magazines and on TV was like, yeah, Simpsons is something, uh, yeah, this this could be good. I want to check this out. Well, you mentioned before about Granny sort of being the cool comic at the time or one of the cool comics, so it was cool to like him. It would also help when he's saying things like, so it's got here that Granny has said his goal in creating the show was to offer the audience an alternative to what he called mainstream trash. Now, when you're putting things like that in magazines, all the young kids are going, yeah, mainstream is trash. I'm going to watch this show instead. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, what am I going to watch? Growing Pains, Family <laughs> Ties, you know, and they and they were kind of the... The Cosby Show? Yeah. Oh, God, the Cosby Show. Um, but they were the, um, yeah, the mainstream TV families at that stage. I mean, and there were a shit ton of family sitcoms on. I mean, yeah, whether yeah, whether it was the Keatons on, um, on Family Ties or... What was the family on Family Matters? Oh, I don't know. Oh, with, with Urkel, yeah? Yeah, but the yeah. one with Urkel. I don't know yeah, the family. Had, I just know Urkel. <laughs> but you had a every Friday night. Is it, I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> and every new TV season, you know, yeah, one one family sort of gets bumped, bumped off. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not really watching those anymore. But it's like, yeah, but hey, we've got this star. Full House was another one. Of, yeah, yeah, Full House, yeah. But this, or, this, or, the, yeah, this I mean, is the thing, though. I guess like, The Simpsons, I guess that, is, that just came at the right time. You know, Nirvana had just broken into the into the mainstream. We thought it was the grunge era, you know? So it was like, it was things were changing in, in pop culture and The Simpsons just couldn't have come at a perfect time, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a very... It's a, I won't say they were they were reaction. I think they were part of the vanguard, actually. Mm-hmm. They were sort of lead, helping lead the way in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And what's interesting is that James L. Brooks negotiated one of the best deals, if not the best deal in the history of television. So <laughs> he made it sure that in the contract, it stated that the Fox network could not interfere with the show's content. How does that happen? Like, oh man, that is well, that is one hell of a deal. <laughs> it's a very, very good deal. I mean, I think we've talked about James Brooks on the on on the podcast in the past, but I mean, yeah, Brooks is kind of a titan of television. I mean, he's, uh, you know, responsible for... or He, he was either a staff member or a creator of, you know, some some pivotal shows, some American... Pivotal American TV shows of the, uh, you know, 70s and 80s. Was he Mary Tyler Moore? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a taxi, I'm pretty sure, is one of his. But, I mean... Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he moved on to movies and he made, ter- uh, you know, terrific stuff like uh, Terms of Endearment and one of my favourite movies of all time, Broadcast News. And he's worked as a, you know, and he's, of course, he's um, ushered in a lot of fantastic talent as well. Yep. He's behind uh, Wes Anderson, who's one of my favourite filmmakers. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, and I mean, he and he's still shepherding people today. I mean, I think he was like the power behind a really great movie from, it's a few years old now, but called The Edge of Seventeen, starring Hayley, um, Hayley Steinfeld. It's one of the best teen movies of probably the last 20 years. It's fantastic. Wow. And Brooks is... The guy who recognised that this young female uh, writer director uh, Kelly Craig, who made it, 
recognised that she was a talent and really sort of nurtured her and encouraged her and and big up to her to the studios and producers and said, look, this is someone you want to keep an eye on and she's I'm going to vouch for her. So, I mean, yeah, Brooke, Brooks is a hero. Brooks is a, an absolute champion. And so, um, yeah, for, for his name to be attached to this, mm. it instantly gave The Simpsons, a, I think, a degree of clout and credibility that it may not have had. Well, I was just going to say, having his name attached to it meant that, you know, the critics who might have turned their nose up at, a, at an animation show, at, uh, they would have gone, oh, wait a minute, if Brooks' name's attached to this, maybe it's going to be okay. And they would have been in with a more positive mindset. I think so. I, yeah, I definitely think so. Hey, my favourite. So what was your favourite moment from uh, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire? Um, look, I, I, I'm skipping to the end here, but I mean, I honestly found the ending of it very sweet. I mean, oh, such a I, great ending. One of the best of all time. I mean, the fact that it's in the first episode is incredible. It's lovely. And I mean, you and, you and I have watched this episode together. I think we recorded a commentary for yeah. it a while ago. Yeah. So commentaries, but, uh, yeah, commentaries re- are available on Patreon for those listening. Yeah, but rewatching it, <laughs> so get on that. <laughs> so, but uh, but rewatching it today and a few days before Christmas, Homer coming back and you know sort of copping that. Oh no, I don't have a Christmas. I feel bad for him because it's sort of he's he tries for the entire episode. Oh, very much so, and he's all he. He, it almost like he's making it out that him not getting a Christmas bonus is his fault. Yep, it's Burns' fault for being a dick. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. All the all the suits are getting their um, uh, are getting you know a bonus or you know not. Um, they're not going without it this Christmas season. It's all just the working stiffs who have lost their who who didn't get their bonus. Yep, definitely. so that sucks. And um, yeah, Hope at Home is taking it really personally and how it affects the family. For him to come in and to be all sort of sad about it and willing to confess that to his family, but the family's. Happy to see, I mean, really happy to see that he's brought a dog. And um, I think it's Marge who says, oh, we could, you know, more, someone else to share our love. Or I've got, like I've got like the that. quote here. I'll find the quote because I wrote it because it was a beautiful moment. Uh, it's uh, something to share our love. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's that's very, very sweet. Just so it, it, I, Also, I like the that delivery of- from Julie of when he walks in and the dog and she just goes, God bless him. I'm like, oh, <laughs> heartstrings. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Lovely. But... Um, <laughs> in a in a bit of a contrast to that, I don't know why I like this so much, but it's just one line, and I'm pretty sure it's Hank Azaria doing it. Nanny nanda one. I just thought that delivery was so great. I don't know why, but I loved it. Um, I I think it's Hank, but it could be Harry. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but uh, that's one that I really um really enjoyed as well. What about you, man? I loved so I love the ending, but also just love the. He's a loser. He's pathetic. He's a Simpson. I'm like, ah, oh, so good. But this, the score under that moment so great. Being a dog lover, I just love that moment. But I also love, in another contrast... Unadulterated pep. Oh, man, it's just old man grandpa. I just love it. It's so great. Just from the get-go, what I noticed was that the episodes that follow this one, the characters aren't really true to themselves. That's because they were the first ones to be produced. This was the eighth one, so... It's more jarring watching this one first because they're very, not very fleshed out, but they're more fleshed out. They're more what you would come to expect in later seasons. But in episodes like two through to like five, it is not a good time. <laughs> like the characters are all over the shop. But um, yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, it's but um, but yeah, it's 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 not terrible, but it's not great. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So unadulterated pap is just yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Next question: You there eating the paste? Trivia time for Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. You kick off, Mr. Davis. What do you got for me? Okay, then. Um, in Germany, mm-hmm. what is the name of Santa's servant? Ooh, I don't know. What is it? 
It's Ruprecht. Ruprecht. Did I mention that yep. in the Land of Santas or whatever, was it? in the? They do, okay. yes. And naughty children in Germany, their parents get whipping rods. Mm, they do, yes. <laughs> you notice Ralph was intelligent in that little... Yes. Movie? Playing the little uh, the Japanese priest who poses as Santa. Mm. Uh, my first question is, how many years has Lisa requested a pony? Has it been three? Three. Well done. You're you're winning the trivia so far for four figures yeah. to get revisited. I'm going to keep an actual tally now. So I'm on zero. You're on one. Continue. <laughs> oh, okay. Is there a prize in this? Well, what the patrons decide. bragging rights. What the patrons decide. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, what is the name of the tattoo parlor where Bart gets his uh, his short-lived tat? Oh, the, oh, the something sailor. I should know this. Oh, this makes me sad. Oh well, no! What's the what's the opposite of the way you're feeling? The happy oh, the happy sailor. You got it! Ah, oh, awesome! Thank you, Mister Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll that take was too obvious I'll take point five points for that one. <laughs> uh, my next question is: What is next door to the happy sailor? Oh, she, when Marge, when, yeah. When Marge <laughs> drags out Bart, she walks past this shop. weren't paying attention. Uh, I was not paying attention to that bit. So please tell me. It was the popcorn shack. Ooh. I'm hoping it's popcorn chicken because you're not a fan of the regular popcorn. I am, but I'm a huge fan of caramelized popcorn. Mmm. Yes. Well, maybe I'll get some of that for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually, I'm going to hit the supermarket tomorrow and do my sort of um, post-Christmas treat run. And um, <laughs> there's, um, I've forgotten the name of the, the people who do it, but there's like... Um, it's a caramelized popcorn, but they've added in some other flavors. Like there's a white chocolate and raspberry Ooh, one. There's wow. a pistachio one. Oh, oh so by you- the way, I'm really annoyed because I know I've talked about Kit Kats a lot in the past. Yeah. And I was up in Melbourne last night catching a movie, Monster Hunter, starring Mila Jovovich. Don't go and see it. It's garbage. Really? Oh, <laughs> okay. oh, no, oh look. I think I might be reaching the stage where it's like, yeah, I think I'm a bit grandpa. Oh, no, don't read it. Pap. Pap. This is very loud. <laughs> You're editing it too much. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah. uh, but um, I was in the Melbourne Central Complex where they had the Kit Kat chocolatey chocolaterie or whatever it is where all the Ooh. different flavors are unfortunately by the time monster hand had wrapped up the kit kat place was closed so oh no oh no bit of a drag um sorry were we up to yeah yeah but popcorn yes um i don't like regular popcorn most of the time but uh yeah i could go i i'm sure the popcorn shack would have something for me is What's it your my next turn question? to ask you a question yeah your turn yes it is so take it away right uh, then Okay, then. Sorry, I've got... I, my questions are all over the shop here. Um, okay. In the race uh, where that Santa's Little Helper eventually ran, who was scratched to make way for Santa's Little Helper? Oh, far out. I was not... I just know Whirlwind and Santa's Little Helper. What was the, the dog? He's a knight of the round table. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to get it. Oh, okay. It's, it's Sir Galahad. Okay, Sir Galahad. Um, yeah, I just that's the first time I've ever heard that name. I just don't, have never paid attention in that scene. <laughs> uh, my next question is, what is the name of the supermarket that Homer goes to? Oh. It is not the Try and Save. It's hmm. not the Quickie Mart. No, nah, blanket. Sorry. It is Circus of Values. Oh. <laughs> I, I really related to that uh, that scene where he was sort of doing the uh, the budget Christmas shop. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll talk about that when we do the review. We, we mm-hmm. shall, yes. Do you have any more questions? I've got two more. I've, I've got I've, five because I've just gone all out because I like this episode. <laughs> okay, I can give you one more at the very least. Do and it, then I'm sure, sure I can come up with something. Uh, when they go to the mall, when the Simpsons family go to the mall and have to park very far away, which mm. section of the car park are they in? Oh, shit. I'm going to say L. You're halfway there, like living on a prayer. It's um, it's actually not even Z. It's double Z. <laughs> that is the one of the best dad jokes you've ever made. Continue. <laughs> what did you say? So? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, but what was the answer? <laughs> the answer was double Z. Not even oh, regular shit. Z. Double Man, Z. That you, you know, if you purchase the ticket for a, a, a sporting event and you're in road double Z, you know you're up for a shit time. <laughs> oh, I think I've. I, <laughs> Again, I'm sorry, I always preface my stuff with... I may have told you this one in the past, but uh, I didn't want to go to my grave without seeing Frank Sinatra sing live. You've mentioned that you've been to see him, yeah. And he came to Melbourne. I think it was him, might have been Dean Martin or Sammy Davis Jr. and Liza Minnelli. And me and my friends JP and Mark went. And we we, (laughs) we were young and stupid and fancied ourselves sophisticated. So we dressed in like suits... And it was a stinking hot day. It was like the middle of summer. And we, were way up, and we were way up in the nosebleeds. We were in the double Z seats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it honestly could have been like, you know, animatronic Sinatra or whatever <laughs> from It's a Small World or whatever. We couldn't see him. Oh, man, but, uh, that's fantastic. Oh, God, double Z. <laughs> All right, next question from you. All right, I'll pick one more. I won't go, I won't go the two. All right, I'm going to say, how much did Homer earn before he was all the, all the deductions? Being in oh, oh, before all the deductions, $120? Well done, Mr. Davis. You are nailing it this week. All right, all right. I've got one extra one. So, yeah, we can we can even it up. Let's do it. Hit me. What have we got? Okay, then. What is the name of the uh, undoubtedly charming woman that Barney picks up at the uh, at the racetrack, at the Greyhound Ooh, d- track? Daria? Let's go, Daria. Yeah, yeah. Daria. Ding, ding, ding. Bar- well Barney done, getting yeah. some action. I know. <laughs> Dario actually looked kind of cute. I was thinking he'd pick up a real sort of barfly, but no, he did not. <laughs> a barfly. <laughs> All right, well, that is trivia for Simpsons Roasting. Oh, do you have one we'll... more for me? Oh, sorry, I do have one more. Yeah, so finally, what is the name of Homer's helper when he's a mall Santa? He says, cover for me. Oh. Oh, damn, I should know this one. Uh... Nope, lost it. Sorry. You lost it? It's Alfie. Yep. Alfie. <laughs> Alrighty, well, that is our trivia of Simpsons Roasting on Open Fire. We'll be right back with our full review of the episode. Alrighty, Simpsons Roasting on Open Fire, aka the Simpsons Christmas Special, originally aired December 17th in 1989. That is incredible how long it's been. The fact that the Simpsons is still on television. Boy, oh boy. So it kicks off without the original intro. They didn't bring that in until the next episode, Bart the Genius, and they thought it would be a good way to kill some time, save themselves some um, some hassle of having to write jokes and draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one just kicks off straight away. It says the Simpsons Christmas special. Marge and Homer are driving. They're very late to the annual school Christmas pageant. Do we have these in Australia? Because I can't remember having one in primary school. We probably um, did. I, I, I- Pretty sure we did have one. I'm pretty sure that I was part of one back when I was, you know, like maybe six or seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just did it like a nativity play. And we had paper, paper mache. Well, I mean, I, I don't think I was clearly talented or charismatic enough at that stage to pull off, you know, uh, Joseph or Mary or, or God or anyone like that. So uh, I think I was relegated to being a sheep and had like Ooh. a paper mache sheep's head on. 
So <laughs> I'd love to um, see a picture of this. It'd be great. Oh god, <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the evidence has been destroyed. But yeah, nativity plays were uh, were a bit of a deal back in the day. Yeah, before we all became sort of pagans and heathens and shit. Uh, Homer is bumping into people as he's going past. Very similar to when you're at the movies and someone comes late during the trailers. You're like, I'm trying to watch the trailers, dude. What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. and but this is. I know you you mentioned how you know the character sort of evolved and became a bit more like the way we know them now over the course of this first season, but even in this early stage, it's kind of like yeah, this is Homer's kind of you know uh, bumbling but affable dad, and you know, but, but somewhat lovable, yeah, yes, indeed, as opposed to you know Full Metal Doofus. That we, well, see, that it's, it's, it's a bit jarring when you we're currently in the middle of season twelve, reviewing season twelve for the regular Four Finger Discount podcast. And now you get back to this and it's like, oh, Homer was nice. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? You know, yeah, he, was, tw- he was short-tempered. Later, he goes to Africa and he shits on everybody. I <laughs> know. Uh, he was a little short-tempered and a bit sort of, yeah, but... He felt yeah, real. Rec- recognizably human. Yes, <laughs> else, 100%. Yeah. So Skinner is the first notable side character that we get to see speak or hear speak on the show. Um, he introduces the Santa of many lands and we get Janie and Ralph who is smart I never understood mm. like when his eye comes off at the back. The whole audience for about three seconds just goes, <gasps> yeah, and then no, it starts clapping. Not- I'm like, that just feels, it just comes across odd to me. I don't know. It's not that realistic an effect that is like a real eye popping out of a socket or anything like that. I mean, I don't think you should be that bummed that, um, you know, <laughs> a mask made by some kid in grade whatever it is. Great, what are they up to? Grade two at this stage? Or- uh, Lisa is grade two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, an eye is going to pop out of it. I mean, it's hardly ruined the show. So, yeah, you're right. That whole kind of, uh, is, um, yeah, a little distracting, a little weird. Lisa comes out as Tawonga. Now, this is known as the scene where Lisa was wearing no underwear, right? So, I must admit, I mean, at the risk of sounding like a total (laughs) perv. It's the the pose at the end that does it, isn't it? (laughs) I think so. Maybe I'm just being very Helen Lovejoy and thinking, you know, what somebody think of the children? So, she was supposed to be wearing stockings or leggings, but the animators just forgot to colour them in. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, this is a bit revealing for yeah. her. <laughs> She's just like, woo, like full yes, frontal for anyway. A, for an um, elementary, for a primary school bloody uh, talent show or yeah, uh, yeah. or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a bit exotic. We get to the fourth graders now and they're singing Jingle Bells. Dashing through the snow in a one horse up and sleigh or the fields we go. We get the iconic Bart Simpson singing uh, Batman Smells. So many people, including myself, credit the Simpsons for creating this. Matt Groening has come out and said, no, they didn't create that. It was a school a schoolyard thing that he was singing when he was a kid. But oh, I think the Simpsons a, yeah. were the first ones that really made it mainstream. I don't think I've heard it anywhere else. Batman Spells had been around for a while before that. Yeah, not not necessarily, you know, the hugest thing around, but it's like, uh, no, that's that's been done before. Yeah, <laughs> Simpsons did it before. But still, another yeah. way to make them come across as real and relatable to, to the kids watching. True, true. Um, also, that, that first gl- uh, look you get at, at grade four... Mm-hmm. It, it's more. It feels more like a Charles Schultz thing than a Matt Groening thing. The mm-hmm. the sort of the diversity of the the looks of the kids. I mean, there's not a whole lot of continuity in the look. 
No, but know, we do get some regulars in there. I think Wendell's in there. I think Millhouse you see in there. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it just reminded me more of Peanuts than it did of um, than it mm-hmm. well, than it would of The Simpsons. I mean, The Simpsons was. I don't think I've ever heard course, Simpsons but. and Peanuts compared to each other. But yeah, I can see your point. Uh, but yeah, and also I think Homer is all of us at this stage when he says, "How many grades does this school have?" <laughs> but I Homer mean, is, well, he's annoyed because Bart got yanked out. Um, well, so true. obviously the first time we see Bart, they're setting up this kid is the little rebel. He's a little little shit stirrer, you know. He's the Macaulay Culkin. He's the the kid from Home Alone, basically. Because <laughs> Home Alone one came out. Oh no, they came out the year after, didn't it? Nineteen ninety. Home Alone was ninety. Yeah. yeah, so I hadn't quite come out yet. So Macaulay Culkin was Bart Simpson then. But anyway, so we have uh, yeah the fifth graders and yeah they're singing the Christmas Carol and Homer's just like yeah how many grades have we got? We now got the family at home. So Marge is writing the uh, the annual Christmas letter. I don't think this is the thing people do anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was listening to um, another one of my favorite podcasts next to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Called My Dad Wrote a Porno. I don't know if you've I've ever never heard listened one. to that show, but everyone, it's like one of the most critically acclaimed ever. Yeah. I love it. I find it really, really enjoyable. And they did a Christmas special uh, just uh, over the last couple of weeks. They broke it into two parts. And on it, they were talking about uh, the newsletter that some families send out to um, to their you know, uh, friends and family and the loved ones. Newsletters. Yeah. I mean, well, it's. I don't know if it's a newsletter as such. I mean, I think they may have just meant like a letter, like a Christmas okay. bulletin about, wow, what a 2020 it's been for the Smiths or whatever, such and such. Uh, you know, they'll be saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dad lost his job in the pandemic. Mum got COVID. Um, all this kind of shit. Uh, but they're usually kind of, they're brags. They're bragging kind of stuff. It's like, what a year we've been. So-and-so went to uni and, you know, and, Little Johnny got all A's. Why, on his that's why I unfriend a lot of people on Facebook. Well, I don't, yeah. care, I don't care that you're happy. <laughs> I, was, I, I was scrolling Facebook before we uh, before we started this episode, and um, mm. I think there was an ad, or or maybe I followed Domain, like the real estate uh, section of some newspaper or, or some news site or whatever. And they were yeah. saying hamish from hamish and andy and his lovely wife zoe have just bought a nine million dollar house in vercluse i'm like well fuck that guy (laughs) (laughs) and i should million dollars for a house goodness gracious me yeah i know and i mean i I was i've been fortunate enough to interview hamish and andy a few times over (laughs) over my quote-unquote career and i've got plenty of time from they are lovely lovely people and i actually wish them all the best but honestly we should we should get them on the show i reckon that'd be all about the simpsons all right all right, well, I'll try and get hold of Hamish and or Andy at some stage. Yes, let's do um, they're, yeah, they're, they're, uh, um, they're, they're panellist, uh, Mike, Radio Mike. He, um, he's a big fan of the show. We went on his show when he was back on, um, what's that, uh, that like Channel 31 of radio in Melbourne? Oh, yeah, Radio Karate. Uh, yeah, it, was, it used to be Sin FM, I think it was called, or something like that. Um, yeah, so he does the panelling for Hamish and Andy, and he, loves yeah. the, he, he listens to us. So let's make that happen, shall we? Hey, Mike, if you're listening, you know what to do. Yes, uh, <laughs> Radio Mike, check him out, he's on yes, Instagram but, as well but please, but please don't mention that I said fuck Hamish please. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy <laughs> Maybe just edit that bit out No, I, I legitimately wish him all the best But the, my, honestly, my first thing upon looking at that was like Oh man, fuck that <laughs> I, um, What I loved about this scene was Not even what Marge is saying It's the Homer going through the Christmas box in the background Because that's what happens in our household anyway And I remember back when we were kids Mum had the Christmas box up at the top of her wardrobe and when it got to like December, you pull it out 
and you don't see these things for 11 and a half months of the year, but you pull it out and you're like, oh, that's right. It's a little reindeer with a broken ear. Yeah, let's put him on the tree. You just you, Every year you accumulate more crap and this box gets more and more full. And I just like, I just seeing Homer going through the Christmas box just reminded me of being a kid and pulling out the old Christmas box from mum's wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lovely Louise has set up her Christmas tree and uh, her daughter Audrey decorated it very, very nicely and the lights are blinking and all that kind of stuff. You come into my house, it's like, I'm a cross between the Grinch and Ebenezer Scrooge. There's just no Christmas shit at my no house. No tree. Oh, man. No. Come on. I know. Oh, look, I do have a little tree actually in the Christmas cupboard. I haven't pulled it out yet. I'll tell you what. Once we've done this episode, I will pull it out and um, and uh, place it in a prominent position. Yeah, do it. Just, just something. Just put something out. Dear friends of the Simpson family, we had some sadness and some gladness this year. First, the sadness. Our little cat, Snowball, was unexpectedly run over and went to kitty heaven. But we bought a new little cat, Snowball, too. So I guess life goes on. Speaking of life going on, Grandpa is still with us, feisty as ever. Maggie is walking by herself. Lisa got straight A's. And Bart, well... We love Bart. The magic of the season has touched us all. Marge, haven't you finished that stupid letter yet? Homer sends his love. Happy holidays. Marge. The Simpsons. Marge, where's the extension cord? Oh, for heaven's sakes, Homer, it's in the utility drawer. Sorry, I'm just a big kid. And I love Christmas so much. He's just a big kid, isn't he? As he says, I'm just a big kid. I love Christmas so much. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's lines like that that make you really, really love the character of Homer. And make him relatable. You're certainly warm to him with that, absolutely. Yeah, and if not, if if not with that, then certainly with um when he has to pick up the phone and talk to Patty, <laughs> and she's just got that terrible passive aggressive phone man. It's like, let me speak to Marge. <laughs> but this is the thing: so Homer isn't rude to them at all in this episode. They're rude to him. Like he's making oh, yeah, an effort absolutely. in that phone call. He's like, "May I ask you speaking, Marge? Please." It's like. No wonder Homer doesn't like you. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I also found it very relatable, the cords tangled in the drawer. It's like, I swear, I put cords into a drawer and they're fine. And then I open it up five minutes later and they're somehow like they've had a party in there. I don't know what happens. Oh, yeah, that's inc- it's incredible how something like that happens. Uh, you know, at the end of every Christmas season or anytime you put anything sort of that has a, a tendency to tangle away, you always remember it's like, no, no. Coil this up nicely, coil it up neatly, and then you won't have to undetangle it when you pull it out next time. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, the gremlins get in there and they just mess it all up. <laughs> they certainly do. Nicola, what she does, she puts an elastic band around it, tightens it right up. Never have an Good issue. Good idea. She's a, she's a smart one, that Nicola. She is very smart. But then again, she's married to me, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Marge asked the kids for their letters. And so I was surprised... I mean, I'm surprised that I wasn't. I'm surprised they had this in a, what's meant to be a kid show, but basically saying the the I won't even say it on this podcast in case there's people listening with their kids. But the secret, you know, there's only one fat guy bringing his presents, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I guess it's sort of hazy enough where kids wouldn't really pick up on it. Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, um, I'm trying to remember how old I was when I realised that you know. Um, the secret, sa- yeah. <laughs> yeah, the secret. Yes, because there are maybe listeners to this podcast who still don't know the secret. Yeah. Um, all right, let's not discuss this topic any further because we might shatter some illusions, and we don't <laughs> want to do that around this time of year. Let's, let's, do, let's not do it. But what they did by in that by having Bart say that line was that they planted the seed for what he does later in the episode because he is not a believer. You know what I mean? True. Good point. 
so Lisa, she wants a pony. It's just not going to happen. The, the family can't afford it. Bart wants a tattoo. <laughs> Homer, if you want it, you have to pay for it. Have your own allowance. <laughs> uh, and this is where Patty calls, and she's very rude to Homer. Just establishing their feud from the get go with the uh, with the sisters. Um, how great was it when Marge was like Homer couldn't be more excited you're coming over. <laughs> <laughs> Homer is now at the front. He's finished putting up all the Christmas lights. I always get a kick out of Homer when he yells out, turn on the juice. <laughs> I don't know why. I, just, oh, I always love it when people refer to electricity as the juice. And so they turn it on and they're terrible. I mean, they're establishing very early here that this family is very middle class at best. Yeah. They don't have much money. They're on, they're but, on the lower rung of the middle class. Yes, for sure. Um, if you know, if they even the kids are disappointed. Yeah, nice try, Dad. They're just they're somewhat disappointed. And then Flanders, I've got to admit, he's very unlikable in this episode. He's that obnoxious neighbor from Jingle All the Way. Uh, look, I don't think he's pushing the uh, the fact that he's got. I mean, I think he's proud of his lights, he's, but I don't he's think not, he's, he's not meaning to. But it's like, can you not yeah. see what what they've got? How about you don't rub it in their face? Yeah, true. And I mean. I think the thing that I found most jarring is that this is a very commercial Christmas setup you've got for someone who's, you know, so churchy. You know? Yeah. Was Where, there a nativity scene in where's, there? Where's the manger? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. But um, yeah, he just shows them up. Hey, good Homer. It's too bright. <laughs> <laughs> so Marge then suggests that they all go Christmas shopping. Now, to me, this was nostalgic because it used to be a big deal. This was before. You can shop from your couch. You know, True. I feel like most people now shop from their house. They don't want to go out and deal with, with crowds mm. in the shopping malls. But every year, going Christmas shopping was a big deal. The shops would be open later than usual. And it just, it was like an event for my family. I don't know about you, but I always enjoyed going out Christmas shopping with my parents. What about you? Uh, oh, I was always, I was a big fan of that. And I mean, uh, I just liked going I, to the I, shopping mall in general when I was a kid. It was like, a, not a day out, but it was, you know, we're going somewhere no, cool. I can go buy no, some it's shit. a bit of a treat. Yeah, and the fact that the shops were open, you know, a, a, a lot later. I a mean, lot there later, yeah. That, there were some shops that stayed open all night, you know, past midnight or whatever, or even until till like... 1 or 2 a.m. Yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, or something like that. I mean, there was always a bit of a hoot. Sort of like, wow, this is, what, this is what it's like going through Kmart or Target at, you know, 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, there was always a bit of a hoot. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that very much. I mean, and there was a general feeling of kind of... Both electricity and goodwill in the air. I yeah, mean, for sure. Everyone's, everyone's a little bit stressed, but they're still like, it's just at Christmas time, even when you're stressed, you're still somewhat cheery because you, usually you're off work and yeah, you, you, you're, you're happy because you know you're, gonna, you're probably going to get some gifts and you're going to see family. Everyone's sort of, the anticipation is exciting. That is very true. Very true. So Marge says, you know, the kids go get your allowance or whatever, your, your savings. Marge pulls out. They'll shout home and stop looking. She pulls out the Christmas savings from her hair. There's only two moments in this episode where I felt the episode or the show was a little bit, not unrealistic, but a bit cartoony. This was the first one. And then mm-hmm. the other one was when Bart was getting the laser removal. So that was the only two times where it came across a little wacky, but it is animation, well, I, so it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I guess they figured, well, we've, you know, we're an animated medium here. Let's, mm. uh, you know, take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. I have no issues with it. I mean, I'm just saying for the rest of the episode felt very grounded. That was just a little wacky. But uh, they're at the mall and little details. So we've been reviewing season 12, like I said. I've watched this and there was not a frame wasted. There was hidden visual gags. Just even the little attention to detail here. 
of having jingle bells playing over the speaker in the mall. Hmm. It's just little things like that that make it feel real, you know, because that's what happens. You go to you go to Coles now and every time you go there, you're going to hear Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Hmm. Uh, you're going to hear Last Christmas. You're going to hear Do They Know It's Christmas. You get, like, you're going to hear all the somewhat classics over and over and over again. Believe me, I worked in the deli. You hear those songs on repeat all day. <laughs> but yeah, I just really like that they had that playing over the speaker. But Bart is looking at all the different tattoos and he has the vision. He thinks Marge would get a big kick if he gets a mother tattoo. Oh, it makes you look so dangerous. <laughs> so he, he goes in there. The tattoo parlor guy is almost like comic book guy, isn't he? He is. He's basically the tough version of comic yeah, book Yeah, do-rag, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, maybe it's comic book guy's brother. We could, maybe we could, we could try and get this to be uh, to, to, to become canon. <laughs> uh, so Bart lies about his age and, and, um, and he gets his tattoo. We're now at the power plant and Homer is checking the different meters. He doesn't pay any attention to the fact that one of them is looking very dangerous. One, of them, yeah. one was earing towards danger yeah. and then one was legitimately dangerous. Like, yes. oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's that time of year, but still, you know. Do you Smithers job. comes over the speaker. We don't see him just yet. We don't get to see black hair, uh, blue hair, black Smithers just yet. So he's saying, please keep working throughout this announcement. Immediately, Homer puts his board down, p- picks up a donut. And every time it cuts back to Homer mm. from the speaker, there's more and more workers just standing around eating donuts. <laughs> I know. That's a bottomless box of donuts. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but this is where Burns announces what, Mr. Davis? No Christmas bonus. For the regulars. For the regulars, that's true, yeah. Um, executives and suits are... Yeah, probably reveling in Christmas bonus cash, but for working stiffs and blue collar types, nope, no Christmas bonus. Have you ever received a Christmas bonus? I have. Way? Yeah, I have. I was, that's one of the, From- the good things of where I work. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I'm trying to recall if I actually got one when I was working there. Don't know about that. But um, what in my first like legit job? Yeah. When I was working for this small publishing house up in Melbourne. Yeah, I mean um, the pay wasn't great. I mean in retrospect, I was. Probably getting really ripped off. But, um, yeah, at Christmas time, we were given, like, um, you know, a nice card and there was a, you know, bit of, bit of, bit of cash stashed in there. And uh, I think we were all given, like, a bottle of wine as well. I'm like, oh, this grown-up gig's pretty sweet. <laughs> they, they, they give you extra money and wine. That's nice. <laughs> now I'm going to buy some more presents for myself. I, did, I remember thinking this was... I felt a bit homerish, actually, because, I mean, uh, I... Yeah, it was my first real job. I think, I don't know if I'd moved in uh, with with my partner that, at that time, but, you know, we were, you know, very close and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, I'm definitely on the road to grown-upville here. This is nice, you know, and I felt like, oh, I've got a little extra money. I'll get her something good. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Christmas bonus. I don't think I've ever received one since. But The, the no. best Christmas <laughs> bonus I've received was $3,000. Excuse me? Yeah. Pardon me? Yeah, I know, right? Who would have thought? <laughs> no, the, the, uh, we, we need to hear a bit more about this, if that's all right. If you think <laughs> telling me. I, might, I might tell you once we finish recording. <laughs> that's okay, oh, okay with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was pretty good. We used to get Christmas bonuses at Ford as well. But my friend, who's um, who's an accountant, he um, I remember telling him last year when I got a Christmas bonus, and he was just like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, um, I got 15 grand. I'm like... You what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got 15 grand. I'm like, how? He goes, oh, it's 10% of our wage. I'm like, what? <laughs> so they got a 10% of their wage Christmas bonus. Is that cra- isn't that crazy? 
that's accountants for you. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they know how to uh, juggle the numbers to you know make everything add up and, uh, <laughs> and then some. But anyway, getting back to uh, to Homer not receiving his Christmas bonus, and I think he says something along the lines of "Thank God for for Mudge's uh, savings, Mudge's Christmas jar, or whatever." Um, so what happens here? I think this is where Marge finds the ta- uh, bucket and the tattoo. Is that right? Yeah, she does. So she walks in. Yes, he's. She, she is Bart screaming. Yeah. Yes, he's two letters shy of mother. Yeah, he just gets. He's just got moth. But unfortunately, he's going to have to get it removed, and it's going to require cash up front. So this is where basically we realize, as viewers, the Simpsons are going to have no money. Yes, Mrs. Simpson, we can remove your son's tattoo. It's a simple routine involving lasers. Cool. However, it is rather expensive, and we must insist on a cash payment up front. Cash? <laughs> hmm. Thank God for Homer's Christmas bonus. Hi, caramba! Now, whatever you do, boy, don't squirm. You don't want to get this sucker near your eye or your groin. <laughs> So this was the first sort of uh, repeat gag that we had in The Simpsons. So you know, like the, can you take us to Mount Splashmore? No, can you take us to Mount Splashmore? But this is, ow, quit it. Ow, quit it. (laughs) So Homer sees that the jar is empty. And (laughs) he does exaggerate a little bit though, when he's like, oh, Christmas is ruined. Christmas is cancelled. But you you, you can sort of understand in his position. He's thought, okay, I, I won't have to tell my family that I didn't get a Christmas bonus and be embarrassed because at least we've got the Christmas savings. Now that's gone as well. It's like, now what do we do? You would panic a little bit. Yeah. Of course you would. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, there are undoubtedly worse feelings, but yeah, being feeling unable to sort of provide for your loved ones or anything like that at, at this time of year would it, be, yeah, it'd be a little devastating, I think. I completely agree. Uh, Marge, however, doesn't realise that the Christmas bonus is gone. Homer's covering it up. He just plays along with it, goes outside to uh, to contemplate on things and figure out a plan of what he's going to do going forward. And we get the uh, the really good visual here, a really good sort of metaphor of how the situations compare between the Simpsons and the Flanders, just their lights on the house. You know, mm. the Simpsons is just dwindling, breaking, and the Flanders is just thriving. So we come back from commercial and uh, Homer and Marge are in bed. The very first Homer and Marge in bed discussion. I, I always get a kick out of, the, kick out of these. They're, they're very, uh, very uh, realistic, I- yeah. They do. It's a genuine. It's it's a very genuine tenderness between Homer and Marge mm-hmm. that I really dig. I like that a lot. Yeah, this moment here was just really solid. So Marge can tell that something is wrong with Homer, but he doesn't want to come clean. He like he's about to, but he just can't do it. Especially when she puts her hand on his on on his hand, and you know you can tell she just has mm. such a genuine love for her husband. He's just like I can't let this woman down. Um, so he as a way to covering up, he says, you know what? Let me do the Christmas shopping this year. I've got it all handled. So then he goes shopping at Circus of Values. I love the justification for buying things. <laughs> Practical and alluring. <laughs> uh, he buys Maggie the, the dog squeaky toy and all those kind of things. But just very, very good. So I think, does he buy Bart the, uh, the notepad, I think, was it? Is that right? Uh, yeah, just a bunch of uh, paper pads. I'm like, and when, it, when he was doing this and, you know, sort of picking up like the little squeaky pork chop toy, which is really for a dog, but he's got to give it to Maggie. Um, because she can't read and doesn't know the difference. I mean, I was reminded of times earlier in my life when you're not making as much money as uh, as you would like to, or as you maybe do later. But uh, you know, you want to do right by the uh, the people in your circle. So hmm. you know, you hit the reject shop or someplace like that, and you you use your imagination as much as you can, or you just sort of pick up stuff that you know people are going to use, and that they would probably buy for themselves, and that they would be happy to receive. I'd love to receive a bunch of like notepads or. Uh, very, very useful. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I just think that would be 
a nice gift to receive or people make fun of like, oh, you got dead socks or you got dead jocks or whatever. I fucking love getting jocks and socks now. (laughs) Oh God, yeah. I mean- I'm I'm sort of itching for the um for the Boxing Day sales because I'm like right I'm hitting the um Harris I'm hitting the departments <laughs> I'm hitting Harris Scarf or I'm hitting Myra and I'm just gonna go wild and get like you know four or five pairs of Mitch Dowd for the price of three or you know, something along those lines. You're like Smithers waiting for the Malibu Stacey. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Me 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 at the door. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he's um he's bought all the gifts. And everything was under five dollars in that store. I noticed the sign on the on the front there. He bumps into Flanders once again. Uh, Rod has the wrong voice in this episode. He's got the same voice mm. as what Ralph had. So obviously, still voiced by Nancy Cartwright, but she hadn't quite worked out the voices for the characters at this point. We then cut to Homer at Moe's, and Moe can also tell that Homer's down. He's sad, and Barney walks in very very happy. He's you know, oh, drinks are on me. I'm thinking. If all you're getting is $120, why are the drinks on you? <laughs> anyway, I guess that's more money than Barney usually has. And he tells Homer of his new scam he's got going, being a mall Santa. I'm not a scam, but, you know, a quick and easy way of getting money. Side hustle. Yeah, side hustle. Yes, that's right. Did you notice, by the way, Moe's doors? They're like a saloon. They weren't... It wasn't, oh. a, it wasn't a proper door. It was like those flappy saloon doors that you see in Western films. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like that for the for the earlier season. Um. But yeah, so Homer's like, we know, do you think I could do it? I don't know. They're pretty selective. (laughs) (laughs) Homer's now applying for the job. And it seems that all you need to be able to do to get the job is like kids. Yes, I loved Homer's all the time, even when they're nuts. (laughs) Of course. So we get the montage of him training. I thought this was hilarious. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. What is it now, Simpson? Uh, when do we get paid? Not a dime till Christmas Eve. Now, from the top. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Um, Dasher, Dancer, mm-hmm. Francer, mm-hmm. Nixon, Comet, mm, Cupid, Donna Dixon. Sit down, Simpson. And what would you like, little boy? You're not really a Santa, Tubby. Why, you little... Hey, no, Homer. If such an emergency arises, you just tell them Santa's very busy this time of year and you're one of his helpers. Oh, I knew that one too. Homer reading out the... or trying to guess the reindeer names is iconic. It's just so great. (laughs) (laughs) And then the teacher playing the child who's, you know, you're not the real Santa. Homer starts choking him. And basically, if you're watching this... You think, how did Homer actually pass? But anyway, so we then uh, arrive, uh, or Homer arrives home seven hours late. That's one thing about this episode is Marge is very forgiving for the fact that Homer's just not coming home on time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The sisters are there. And the sisters are at their house quite a bit as well. Several nights. Yeah, yeah. Um, They point out that there's no Christmas tree in this house. Um, So so they live in, in the Davis household, apparently. So what, what, this is what, ah. what you need to do tonight, Mr. Davis, is you need to go out and cut down a Christmas tree, complete with birdhouse. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to imagine you using a chainsaw. <laughs> oh, God, I think I'd be... I'd, I'd end up minus something. So. <laughs> so Homer, he can't afford the, the Christmas trees that are on sale, even the ones that are abnormally shaped. And he, uh, he goes, Slightly irregular, sli- I believe. Slightly irregular, that's correct. And he, uh, he goes and steals one. Why is there a birdhouse in it? It's an ornament. So, uh, what is, what is, what's the final line? Uh, do I smell gunpowder? So, then Homer is playing this, the role of Santa at the mall. Um, the kid wants all these toys. 
Homer's Bessie Cheer is actually right. You don't need all that crap. You know, as long as you've got a, a loving father at home and a loving family who'd do anything for you. And then he takes a bite out of the kid's donut. <laughs> like the kids, are, some of the stuff the kids was after though, like Robo Toids. What was the other one? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Goop Monster. <laughs> the Goop Monster. I thought that was Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Terrible dad joke. What were those puppets from the um, from the 80s? They weren't called Goops. Oh, no, they were called um, Boglins. Did you ever see a Boglin? I've never heard of a... What, what was it again? Boglin. So instead of Goblin, it's Boglin. So the B and G swapped around. Looked them up, people. Hideous. Ter- ter- oh. Terrible 80s fad. We like some stupid shit in the 80s, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> Thankfully, The Simpsons was not one of them. <laughs> so the... Yeah, so Homer's taking the, a bite out of the kid's donut. And we get Bart, Milhouse, and Lewis watching Homer be Santa. Yeah. They're unaware that it's Santa. And Homer's like, yeah, nah, that's not Santa, blah, blah, blah. And Milhouse dares him to go pull off his beard. So Bart goes down there. Cut to Homer having a a, deep, a D&M with some girl <laughs> about Patty and Salma. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you get better, Santa. Oh, I will, as long as they go home. Then we get, <laughs> thanks for listening, kid. Yeah, thanks for listening. So Bart then comes, and this is one of the more pivotal moments of the episode. Hey, Santa, what's shaking, man? What's your name, Bartner? Uh, little partner? Well, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? I'm Charlie Old St. Nick. Oh, yeah? We'll just see about that. So oh! Homer. I want a word with you in Santa's workshop, little boy. Cover for me, Alfie. Don't kill me, Dad. I didn't know it was you. Nobody knows. It's a secret. I didn't get my bonus this year. But to keep the family from missing out on Christmas, I'd do anything. Oh, say, Dad, you must really love us to sink so low. Well, let's not get mushy, son. I still have a job to do. Hey, little one, Santa's back. Ho, ho, yo! Damn it! This is a really powerful scene, I feel. Hmm. Just, you know, Bart realising far out the lengths you've gone to just to make us happy at Christmas time. Well, that's a, it's, a, it's a terrific line. You must really love us to sink so low. Yes. I mean- and it, like it's putting him down, but not really. You know what I mean? It's sort of saying, I, I understand what you're doing is, is terrible, but you also understand that it's terrible. But I really love you and appreciate that you're willing to do it for us. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He's not, he's not embarrassed that Homer's a wall Santa. He's like, he's just, he can't oh, believe- it's a good moment of recognition that, yeah. uh, you know, Adults have to, um, you know, and particularly parents have to, you know, sometimes make sacrifices or do shit they don't want to do in order to um, provide for their kids. Definitely, and, and we it's, don't. It's, it's a very, it's a, it's a very honest little moment. And we don't really get moments like that between Bart and Homer all that often. So yeah, so it really no. stood out. Yeah, so enjoy them when you get them. Yes, definitely. So Homer is now collecting his paycheck, and in the end, after everything, it's only thirteen dollars. Which man. Mm-hmm. I would be kicking up somewhat of a stink if I got paid $13. <laughs> oh, God. I'm reminded of a line that uh, I used to say to a um, friend of the show, Roland Anderson from uh, from Pop Culture. is um, a great line from a movie called Raising Arizona, an early Nicolas Cage movie where Nicolas Cage is pick- he's working in this dreadful place and picks up his check and realises that he's yeah not making as much as he thought. And the woman in the uh, in the... Accounting department looks up and says, "Government sure do take a bat, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, yeah, I, I remember Roland and I used to say that to each other on payday. <laughs> uh, oh, God bless Roland. Uh, he, I, I miss that guy. He's a he's a good fella. 
Happy birthday to Roland. It was his birthday on the weekend as well. So hopefully he's Oh, listening. holy I shit. I don't think he is, but shout out to Roland. Absolute champion. Shout out to Roland. He's the, he's the right. dad of pop culture. <laughs> he's a good guy, that one. Yes. So uh, Barney invites Homer to the dog track to uh, bet everything on whirlwind. As Bart says, if TV has taught me anything, it's that good things happen to poor kids at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, I just thought it was really, really good. So we come back from commercial and the family are all sitting around watching the happy little tree owls and they wonder where Homer and Bart are. Uh, maybe they're caroling. And then it cuts to, I get so much joy out of this moment. We're in the morning. We're in the morning. We got a lot of water to get along. I can't believe I'm doing this. We're in the money. Yeah, we're in the money. <laughs> so they're having so much. They're having so much fun. <laughs> Homer's, well, that that moment before you get to the track, anything is possible. Yes, that is true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, you just you don't know that you don't know that you're going to fail miserably at that point. And Homer though, he's just not feeling it. He's in, he's embarrassed to be there. Um, he can't believe he's, in his opinion, he can't believe he's sunk this low. And it's, I, I like that a lot, actually. Mm, I mean, definitely. I, yep. I like the fact that, uh, you know, Homer sort of has enough self regard and self worth that, you know, he's willing to, you know, take this side job to, he wants to earn money for his, uh, for his family. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily, I mean, it, look, one, winning money is nice. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, there is a satisfaction to an earned paycheck, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, yeah. and Homer later on, you know, throughout the course of the show, throughout the course of the entire series, you know, we see sort of you know less appealing sides of him. But this, I like this aspect of him a great deal. He's like, no, I, if I'm going to provide for my family, I want to go out and earn it. So yeah, that's that's good for him. So yeah, I mean, I can understand him being a bit sort of despondent and a bit sort of yeah, not a hundred percent certain about this whole. Putting his meager paycheck on a on a nag on a not a nag on a on a dish liquor deal. I'm just trying to recall. Was he wearing his Santa outfit still at this point? I don't believe so, but don't, don't believe quote so. Me on that. I'm just going to double check. I'm going to Google. I'm going to freak yak. I'm going to type. We're in the money. So Bart's wearing the Santa hat at that point. Let's go down and have a look. So they're walking in. Homer's wearing his Santa outfit. Yes. That's why Bart's got the hat on. Yeah, I thought he was. <laughs> so Homer, imagine being at the track on Christmas Eve and Santa's just having a bet. <laughs> oh, man. Now, this next moment here is actually one of the sadder moments of the episode because you just know that this would happen. So this poor kid has been dragged to the track by his dad, not Bart, this other kid, on Christmas yeah. Eve. And he's like, Dad, can we open up some presents? He's like, you know the tradition, not till the eighth race. And it's like... This poor kid every Christmas Eve gets dra- dragged to the dog tracks. It's like, oh, man. But you just know that that would well, really happen in some situations. It's sad. True, true. But, you know, if <laughs> if that kid emerges into pe- into adulthood, you know, reasonably well-adjusted, you know, I mean, if they haven't had too many losses, he'd probably look back on times at the, at, at the track with his old man as like, yeah, yeah, we had some lows, but we also had some highs. That's if they, like, that's- maybe I'm... Maybe I'm just. Um, did you go I'm to the? Did, you, did, did old Bobby classes. drag it to the track on a Christmas Eve for a time or two? <laughs> uh, I spent enough time at at various racetracks and and um, greyhound places with my old man that uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I look back upon them quite fondly, even though you know that when I was there, I was probably like, eh, I wish I was at the, uh, I wish I was at the penny parlor or. Um, <laughs> Home. That's, that's, video, that's video game arcade to our to our younger listeners. For the, for new listeners, by the way, 
when we talk about Guy's father, he's one of the most famous Australian athletes, AFL footballers of all time, Bob Davis. So I just find it interesting to hear stories sometimes. Like, well, t- just tell me, Mr. Davis, what was a, a, a Christmas like in the Davis household when you were growing up? Christmas Eve. Oh, it was splendid. Oh, it was marvellous. I mean, it was, ve- it was very sort of, uh, to use an American kind of term, very Norman Rockwelly. I mean, you know, we, we there were lots, you know, I have four sisters, they're all older than me and... You know, we, but we were all there for Christmas and, you know, mum and dad and, you know, we had the tree set up in our, and, you know, we'd have a delightful Christmas lunch and I remember, well, I mean, I don't know if I was spoiled. I probably was spoiled rotten as a child, but I remember, you know, getting lots of lovely, lovely gifts and I was allowed to be, you know, toys and all that kind of stuff. But um, my sister's always sort of, I've, I think I've mentioned my sister Jo on previous episodes who really turned me on to reading and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, my sister she used to run Hong Kong. Also did that as well. And they were always giving me, oh, my, I remember this actually from earlier this week because uh, I was looking at it online, but my sister Margot got me a book called Father Christmas Goes on Holiday. Okay. It's by a guy called Raymond Briggs. He's a, he's a terrific children's book writer. Um, he did uh, <laughs> a book that kids love called Fungus the Bogeyman, a base, which is basically like a proto-Shrek kind of deal. He's just this green kind of monster, uh, who's, and it's full of like, you know, snot and farts and all that kind of stuff. Was, he voiced, by, was of, he voiced by Mike Myers doing a bad Scottish accent? <laughs> a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but he also wrote these books about Father Christmas, and Father Christmas is just a real curmudgeon in them. He's like, oh, bloody hell, I guess I've got to go deliver these bloody presents again. Mm. All right, off, I'm, off I go. But, um, yeah, I just remember enjoying that so much. So, yeah, well, look, we had... Um, yeah, our, our Christmases were lovely. They were, re- they were really, really nice. I mean, I, I won't... I mean, I know you sort of mentioned about dad's sporting background or that they weren't necessarily sporty or anything like that dad wasn't huge on i mean this was christmas was in summer in australia of course and yes, uh, yeah. dad wasn't a huge cricket guy but um i think there were races on so i think i don't know if there were actually races on christmas day but i believe we went to like a boxing day race meet at least once or twice your dad was into so, the um, your dad was into a, a, a bet or two oh oh 100 percent. yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but no i mean um no, Christmas growing up in our family was, um, yeah, I have nothing but fond memories of them. Your dad just came across like an absolute larrikin. I just, I just imagine it just really fun. Oh yeah, no, he look, he certainly he enjoyed a good, he enjoyed a good laugh, and uh, and we all sort of picked up on that as a result. So, yeah, yeah, it was yes, wonderful times. Attention racing fans, we have a late scratch in the fourth race. Number eight, Sir Galahad, will be replaced by Santa's little helper. Once again, Sir Galahad has been replaced by Santa's little helper. <gasps> Hark! Did you hear that? What a name! Santa's little helper? It's a sign. It's an omen. It's a coincidence, Dad. <laughs> what are the odds on Santa's little helper? 99 to 1. Whoa! 99 times 13 equals... Merry Christmas! I got a bad feeling about this. Don't you believe in me, son? Uh. Come on, boy. Sometimes your faith is all that keeps me going. Oh, go for it, Dad. That's my boy. Everything on Santa's little helper. This was great delivery from Nancy. Just the, oh, go for it, Dad. You know, it's tragic <laughs> but beautiful at the same time. It's like, I really feel like he's making a mistake here, but... I love him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna question him. Just, just do it if it's gonna make you happy. So we then get the family all watching TV once again back at home, whilst the Homer and Bart are still at the track. It's almost nine o'clock. Where is Homer anyway? It's so typical of the big doofus to spoil it all. What, Aunt Patty? No, oh, nothing, dear. I'm just trashing your father. 
Well, I wish you wouldn't, because aside from the fact that he has the same frailties as all human beings, he's the only father I have. Therefore, he is my model of manhood, and my estimation of him will govern the prospects of my adult relationships. So I hope you bear in mind that any knock at him is a knock at me, and I am far too young to defend myself against such onslaughts. Mm-hmm. Go watch your cartoon show, dear. Homer thinks he's going to win. He kisses the ticket. He gets Bart to kiss the ticket. And then Santa's little helper unfortunately comes in last place. <laughs> Although maybe this is the suspense before the miracle happens. Oh, oh, no, I can't believe it. It seems the TV has betrayed me. <laughs> Homer says, let's wait around for Santa's little helper to finish before we leave. No, let's just go anyway. Yeah, <laughs> going to finish. Then in the car park, this is a really sad visual. Them looking through the car park, looking for a winning ticket, eh? Oh, no, that's really sad. I mean, I've, I think I remember doing that as a kid when I'd go to the racetrack, sort of like, maybe someone dropped a winning ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and sort of look around it for, for, you know, because, yeah, it was very much the case that, you know, people would just throw them over their shoulder or just dump them on the ground. They wouldn't even, they were so despondent, they wouldn't even bin them. They're just like, nah, fuck it. Throw it on the ground. I um, My closest thing to this was, do you remember when Mars bars used to do the one in six bars wins? Free, a free Mars oh, bar? Oh, yeah. Right. So we used to play golf like, almost every day, right? We used to, our, our local was the Alco Park golf course out in Lara there. Mm-hmm. And we'd go out and we'd always go out after they played their tournaments. On a Wednesday morning, the women's would play. And the Saturdays, I wouldn't go out just for this, but we'd go out, we'd have to wait till they'd finish. So after the women's tournament on the Wednesdays and the men's tournament on the Saturday mornings, you'd go out and you'd play. And if you just looked into the, the, the bins, like they had the, the big open metal bins, if you just looked in, and because they'd always buy Mars bars, Mars bars was one of the things they sold in there. These older people would never look at the wrapper. They would just buy a Mars bar and eat it. I guarantee you, every time I played a round of golf, I'd win like three or four Mars bars. <laughs> just by going through right. the bin not going through the bin but just seeing him on top and going got like a George and Seinfeld moment it's like yeah, it's on top I can touch it I didn't eat it there was no Mars bar in it but yeah you look at the rapper hey it wins every time at least three Mars bars I would win every round of golf <laughs> do you want to hear my tight ass version of that and I do that to this day oh do I do I ever uh, sometimes when I'll be at a Coles supermarket mm-hmm. um, do you go do you, you pick know, up dockets I'll pick up dockets if they if they've got the um, four do- four cents of petrol on. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like you, you're giving away free money here, yeah, pal. I, I do. I do. I don't understand. If you're spending more than thirty bucks, why not just keep the receipt? What, I I don't understand why people don't yeah. want to use that. You, like you said, you're giving away free money. I know. <laughs> and just I mean, look, there's it, it's a high percentage that I'll never ever use it, but it's like. Well, you never can tell. I might need a lot of petrol at some stage. Or I might be able to pass this on to someone who, you know, could use a four-cent bump off their petrol. Yeah, I used to go... Remember the back of receipts used to have the um the, the coupons as well? They don't really... They don't tend to have as good anymore. It's more just like ads now as opposed to coupons and vouchers. Yeah. But I remember back, say, you know, 10 years ago, the Sphinx, my local here, the, the local pub slash you know, TAB, whatever... Uh, they used to have a buy one, get one free meals voucher on the back of receipts. So oh, if, yeah. I, if I ever oh, saw used- one, I was fucking all about it. I would pick up any receipt looking for that voucher. Absolutely. They, and there used to be ones that had like, you know, free cheeseburger at Mac's yeah. or something or, or extra nuggets. I'm like, what the what? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm in the body. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I'm just trying to visualize the, uh, the Guy Davis happy dance. I think it'd be a, a, a glorious <laughs> sight. Well, 
I know I keep making promises about putting videos and pictures up, but uh, this may be my Christmas present to the uh, to the patrons. I'll uh, do a quick video of me doing a little happy dance and then put it online. Oh yes, but, I cannot you know, wait for that. I cannot wait for it. That can but, be a Christmas you know, present. I'm not. I'm not making any promises. I'm like, uh, <laughs> but we'll see how we go. Maybe possibly it's a possibility. Barney leaves with Daria because he has bet on Whirlwind, and he's um he's obviously he's in the money. And Santa's little helper is then getting thrown away by his owner. It's very sad. It's just, just you know, no, no use for him. He's oh, not, yeah. not winning races, so he throws a rock at him and everything for good measure. And the dog just jumps into Homer's arms. It's just beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and it's something that I think it's it's very, it's just fundamentally good storytelling that The Simpsons recognises. Oh, here. yes. If if you want a, a good deed to be recognised and shine through, and if you want good behaviour and decent, humane behaviour to shine through and really make an impact, you have to show the opposite. You have to show people being shitty mm-hmm. or, um, you know, legitimately tough times or, or, you know, heartbreaking or confronting times. You, you have to have that contrast. I mean... If things were just going, eh, not great for The Simpsons, then the fact that they're willing to take on this dog, this this loser dog, um, when they're kind of at their lowest as well, when they don't have any Christmas money or anything like that, I mean, it makes the impact all the greater. So yeah, it's just it's it's very it's just smart storytelling, smart effective storytelling by the show. They arrive home. Marge is or they haven't arrived yet. Marge is about to call the police, and Patty and Summer think he's going to come home drunk. Marge, a homer walks in, he's about to come clean, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, and reveal everything. Well, he does come clean, but as he, he um, as he's saying it, he gets uh, interrupted by the barking of Sam's little helper, and, and Bart says, look what we've got, and it's just it's just incredible. What the, the message here basically tells you is that, you know all those toys you get? They're just things. You know what I mean? What's most oh, yeah. important yeah. is family. I know, I know the dog is essentially a gift and a thing. But like all those toys that you have, and I'm I'm a, a fiend for it as well. And I've sort of realised ever since having, like since having Holly, Holly, all during the house, and I'm like, I have too much shit in this house, and none of it matters. <laughs> none of it means anything. All that matters is like being here with my kids and being with the family. And I think that's the the message this episode gets across is that as long as you you've got someone to love or whatever, and you, you you're happy at Christmas time, that's what matters. Not not what toy you're getting, you know. <laughs> Look, everybody, I have a confession to make. That should be good. I didn't get my Christmas bonus. I tried not to let it ruin Christmas for everybody, but no matter what I did... Hey, everybody, look what we got! (laughs) A dog! All right, Dad! God bless him. So love at first sight is possible. And if he runs away, he'll be easy to catch. This is the best gift of all, Homer. It is? Yes, something to share our love and frighten prowlers. What's his name? Number eight. I, I mean, Santa's little helper. And then the family sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And much like the start of the episode, Bart interferes by putting in his own rendition, which upsets Homer. <laughs> well, they all do, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But um, Yeah, Lisa, Lisa says schnozzola and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Cause, um, did... Because Homer's the only one that's... It's funny. Homer's the only one... You, I feel like a few seasons from now, Marge will be in Homer's role. Marge will be the one annoyed with Homer singing the wrong lines. True. You know? Yes. And, and, and 
Homer would probably be joining in with his sort of dumbass variations. Yes, and, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so uh, an incredible, not just pilot episode, just an incredible Christmas TV special. One that I watch every year on Christmas Eve, um, as well as Christmas Day. I just, I, it really gets me into the Christmas spirit or the holiday spirit, I should say. I find myself these days saying holiday a lot more than Christmas. I guess it's just been instilled in my brain now that it's not Christmas to everybody. As I said at the start of the episode, I mean, yeah, there are, there's a heck of a lot of uh, religions and customs and cultures around the world and who are, you know, celebrating their holiday season, if not on this specific day, then certainly around this time of year. So uh, why shouldn't everybody join in the fun? I mean, look, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a genuine, heartfelt Merry Christmas. It's your way of, say, of, of um, expressing your uh, peace on earth and goodwill to all men message. But yeah, I think saying happy holidays is yeah, certainly it's a it's a tad more inclusive and a you know, a tad more welcoming. So, I don't know. however you say it, I, it, I don't know. it's the thought that counts. What do we learn, Palmer? Alrighty, what'd you learn for the episode, Mister Davis? Oh, I think you just summed it up very well with what you said before, Dan. No, it's not necessarily the uh, the stuff that's in your house; it's the uh, the stuff in your heart. That so. No, I think this episode illustrates that very well. Having said that, it's nice to have a little bit of stuff in your house. <laughs> I learnt that I could have saved a lot of money this year by doing my Christmas shopping for the kids at Petstock. <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... It's the new New Names leaderboard, the Guy Davis New Name Championship for four-finger discount revisited. So we've got the, the current leaderboard happening over on the, the regular feed, and now we've got a, a new one for these retro reviews. We've gone back to the start. So there's two separate leaderboards. So right now, no one's on the leaderboard. No one. What we do for new listeners, by the way, what we do is for patrons, if you're a $1 plus patron, you get access into our Four Finger Discount exclusive Facebook group where Guy and myself are in there with all the other patrons and we banter on a daily basis. It's a great community. It's a hell of a good time. And uh, on there, Guy will ask for some new names and people send them in. And at the end of the season, we tally up who's on top of the leaderboard and first position wins $100 cash and second position, oh, actually not second position, we have first position $100 cash and everyone else enters the wildcard draw. So all you got to do is get your name on the leaderboard. It can just be one point and you go into the wildcard draw to win yourself $50 cash. So like I said, $1 patient. The link's in the description of the podcast, patreon.com slash four-figure discount. Not only that, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts and it's just a hell of a good time, prize draws and everything. But Mr. Davis, the first ever four-finger discount revisited new name Guy Davis Championship. Who have we got this week? Okay, well, on one hoe, uh, we have got uh, Gilroyd Harahill. Gilroyd, he's, he's just killing it, yes. isn't he? He is indeed, and he has given us, it's beginning to cost a lot at Christmas. Oh, really good stuff. I like that. Well played, Gerard. He did pretty well there. Ho, ho. Two points. Uh, to our pal, D.L. Gorman. D.L. So it's the, it's the, it's the usuals. <laughs> giving, giving us a Christmas carol variation with the first Do.L. Yep, not bad. I honestly think I enjoy Gerard's a little bit more, but it's your championship. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see how you feel with Ho Ho Ho, three points to Jade Fairley. Oh, Jade Fairley. Her first yes, time she's uh, ever been on any leaderboard, I think. She's, oh, well. She, she's yeah. a, uh, a new patron. Quite new. Rocketing, so. to, the, rocketing to the top mm. with a... Uh, with, look, it's <laughs> it's based on a Christmas thing that I very much like, but I think it suits this episode very well. And her... Uh, I'm assuming Jade is, uh, Jade is a lady. 
but you never can tell. There's there are dudes named Jade, but one of the cheese TV dudes Jade, named Jade. Jade. Yeah, that's true, Jade and Ryan. But this Jade is definitely a female. <laughs> okay then. Well, Jade gave us it's a one full life. Oh, well played. Yeah, definitely. That's, I think that's one that's that, not that the bad, show creators would have gone for because they do like their play on classic titles already so yeah they do indeed so yeah look i like that one a lot and i think it deserved three points so yes congratulations jay but congratulations to everyone who uh contributed an alternative title uh props to gear and dl but uh yeah well done jade you're sitting atop the christmas tree yeah so one point garou two points dl gorman and third uh in th- on three points in first position i should say is jade fairly i'd say that jade is off to a fairly good start <laughs> <laughs> oh, I quit. Oh, man, it's why people pay money to listen to this show, Mr. Davis. Your dad jokes are the best. <laughs> I, I, I do this podcast with you purely so I've got content for when the kids are a bit older. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, so now I think it's time for the mailbag. Javale! Javale is here! Alrighty, so this one here comes from, this isn't a patron question, this is from a regular listener, Stephanie Wilson. Uh, she says, oh, we've kind of already answered it, she just asked, uh, what was it like when The Simpsons first premiered in Australia? Um, because it would have premiered a lot earlier in America than what it did in Australia. But was there was there excitement? Was there buzz? Or did it take a while for it to, to really take off? It's what Stephanie wants to know. I think I think there was that initial sort of thrill of the new kind of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, this is sort of unexpected and anticipated. And the world's a lot more globalised now. I mean, you've sort of got, you know, something happens in the States, it instantly happens here. You know, or it just it takes you know thirty seconds. Like okay, we're talking about whatever the whatever's trending in the states or the UK or anywhere else. Yeah. But you know, back then it was kind of like oh, no, you have, you have to wait a while before um, we're not exactly all operating at the same pace and we're not all consuming the same things at the same time. So yeah, I think there would have been a bit of anticipation about oh look. Our American friends are really into this family called The Simpsons, or really into the show called The Simpsons. You know, what's it all about? And a little bit of hype was building prior to it actually premiering in Australia. So, yeah, I'd say there was definitely some buzz. And, did, did, um, did you watch it yourself when it, when it started? Yeah, I did, absolutely. Yeah, I thought, I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, but it really wasn't a, a, until a few years in that it really, I think for a lot of people, that it started to really sort of get its hooks in and go, oh... You know, this isn't isn't just the novelty of an animated show with a little bit of sass mouth in prime time. It's a legitimately clever show. This is yeah, this is better than uh, live action sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is on yeah, on par, if not better than a lot of um, yeah, live action comedies. Uh, Chris Parkwell also writes in mailbag of dot au. He wants to know. The Simpsons pretty much skyrocketed. He says, The Simpsons pretty much skyrocketed as soon as they aired in America and Bartmania was born. Was Bartmania ever a thing in Australia? Again, yeah. I mean, um, not huge. It, it's funny that, I don't know if I'm the only person that's either way, but I think people tend to view Homer as kind of like the heart of The Simpsons or at least, at least sort of the breakout character. Well, but Bart was uh, at the very beginning, but it, it quickly but Bart, it but, quickly shifted to Homer once they realised they'd run out of ideas because they had, they could it was easy to write yeah. stories that they could relate to, yeah. That's true, yeah. I mean, Bart certainly was at the beginning. There was a whole lot of, yeah, don't have a cow man, a lot of, you know, do the Bart man and cowabunga and all that kind of stuff. I, I say this with all due respect to the, you know, the writers of Bart, to to, um, to Nancy Cartwright and to, to everyone involved with Bart. Yeah, for me, the appeal sort of uh, vanished, not vanished fairly quickly, but uh, uh, yeah, the appeal ran dry fairly quickly. Yes. <laughs> 
Alrighty, now this question comes from the patron mailbag. We'll just do a couple more because I can hear my little daughter, Holly, who's suffering from reflux, just going bananas outside. So I better get out there and help my gorgeous wife, Nicola, very soon. So, alrighty. So, DL Gorman says, uh, they wanted to know, uh, would you want to be a ball Santa? Is this something that we could see ourselves doing? I think I would love doing it. I would, but I feel like I'd very easily get offended by people who, you know how people just go now, oh, no, you can't sit on that guy's lap and oh, no, you can't say this and you can't say that. I'd be like, guys, it's just, just chill. It's it's the holiday season. Can we all just relax for for five fucking minutes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's what would make you a great ball Santa. Yeah, be Santa parent. But I, I would, I would, I would just really enjoy putting smiles on kids' faces. Look, I, I come off as a bit curmudgeonly sometimes, but uh, no, I, I get into the Christmas season. I think I'd be a very good. Ball I think Santa, you'd be actually. a great mall Santa. You'd really get into I've got, it. I've got, I've got the increasingly wide beard and the increasingly round belly. Um, I think you throw a red suit on me, and yeah, I think I'd be quite authentic, and I think I'd be pretty cheerful with it. You could be our yeah, resident so, Santa. No, I, I could well be. Uh, final question here. Final question before we wrap it up. Andrew Palacati says, what is your favourite TV pilot? Mm. Um, look, in recent years, and it's probably not even that recent now, it's probably more than 10 years, I'll tell you what was a fantastic pilot was Lost. Lost was f- Lost was great. That's one show that I've always wanted to go back and watch, but then everyone says don't because you'll be very disappointed by how it ends and you feel like you've wasted your time. I've also heard that, but then I've also... Heard people were like, yeah, I was disappointed the first time and the second time it actually made a, not more sense, but yeah, it kind of, watching it all in one go, yeah, the ending was actually wasn't that bad for me. Okay. I've never, I never actually made it all the way to the ending. Oh, fair enough, yeah. I was seeing someone at the time who was a big, when it finished, who was a big Lost fan. Well, this was before streaming services as well, before we, before binge watching was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, you could probably, you could buy a whole season on DVD and watch it that way. I, yeah, I know certain. I know a lot of people who were very disappointed with the ending of Lost, but but the, certainly the first episode is yeah, just a ter- uh, and a, a really gets you hooked, got you hooked, and just ends on and ends on a on a perfect line with um, Dominic Monaghan just saying to guys, "Where are we?" Because <laughs> <laughs> they're on this on this island where nothing is making any sense at all. It's like you know a, a plane crash and being you know, sort of trapped on a remote desert island or whatever would be bad enough. But all this weird shit starts happening. It's like, shit's gone from bad to what the F. So yep. it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fantastic pilot. And it also showed that, um, I think it was one of, I don't know if it was the first thing that J.J. Abrams directed. I thought it was Bruck, well, I thought it was Bruckheimer. Was it Abrams, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. J.J. Abrams was one of the uh, one of the powerhouses behind it. and But I don't think he'd actually directed anything before directing this pilot and it's wow. and it's really well made. I mean, I think I think Tom Cruise kind of handpicked him off that to say I kind of want to change the direction of the Mission Impossible franchise. Mm. Do you want to direct Mission Impossible 3? And that's how the Mission Impossible franchise sort of became what it is now. So, no, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of The Lost Pilot. That's a, that's one that I really really dig. I am a big fan of a show that had what I consider to be one of the best finales of all time, but I really like the pilot of Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Sets up the story very well, but that closing sequence where he's out, just standing on the highway in his undies, thinking he's about to be arrested by the cops, and they just drive past. I just love that. It's just so good. But yeah, just oh, se- yeah. setting up the the dynamic between Jesse and Walter, and um, just you know creating the the sympathy for him from the viewer's perspective of you know he's got cancer, and as silly as it sounds, you can relate to him. You know he's he's, he's making this meth. 
but it's because he wants to support his family. So you can you can appeal and relate to that side of his of his decision. But yeah, I just think that the Breaking Bad there was action, there was drama, there was yeah. um, there was there was sadness. It had everything. I just thought, yeah, the, the Breaking Bad pilot. I mean, obviously, it's one of the yeah. best shows of all time. But yeah, that pilot was so good. Yeah, but like well, like we were saying about the Simpsons. I mean, it really does stack the deck against Walter White in terms of yep. like, you know. His family clearly loves him, but they're all in kind of a rut. I mean, he's getting the world's saddest, ha- yeah. world's saddest hand job for his birthday. You know what I mean? They, 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 they consider him like a joke. His brother-in-law sort of takes the piss out of him and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah, everyone sort of views him as uh, yeah, a bit a of a lovable loser. loser. A joke. Or, or, yeah, yeah. Even the people who love him, he's kind of, uh, yeah, good old Walter, blah, 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 blah. He's, and- he's almost like Ned Flanders, basically. Just What's not, that? Just, yeah. he's, he's like a, an un, a non-religious Ned Flanders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and for him to, um, I mean, I, st- I still recall getting an absolute thrill out of that scene. I think it's in the in the first episode where, you know, those dipshit jocks are making fun of his son who has cerebral palsy, and um, Walter White just, I don't know, does he, he? I think he grabs his son's crutch or something and just basically kneecaps one of the kids. Mm. And he's because he's realised, oh, oh fuck it, I got nothing to lose here. I'm dying, yeah. so yeah, I'm just going to go out and you know do as I please. And yeah, of course, yeah. that sort of that you know transitions into sort of this monstrous behaviour over the course of this over the course of the show. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's such a it's a very very good pilot. You're right, Dan. Breaking Bad's a, a great one. And one of my favourite lines in the history of television is in the finale, when she's like, "Don't tell me you did it for us," and he's like, "I did it because I liked it." I'm like, that's fucking yeah. awesome. You know, like, he, oh, did, yeah. he did it for him, you know. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, so thank you guys for sending any questions. Remember, um, patrons can just can contribute via the Facebook group. Or if you're just a regular listener, that's fine as well. Just going to send you questions to mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Uh, if you are a fan of this, you will also appreciate the regular Four Finger Discount podcast where Guy and myself are currently into season 12. So as we mentioned in the little intro, uh, I did season one to ten with my former co-host Mitch, and Guy jumped on board from season eleven. But everyone wants to hear Guy's perspective of the of the golden era, so that's where this show has been born. Four Finger just getting revisited. I uh, hope you're really really enjoying it so far. I've had a great time going back to the first episode. I love this pilot. It's been a hell of a good time. Uh, the next episode, Mr. Davis is Bart the Genius. Another one of the best se- episodes of the first season. It's one of the best episodes of the earlier seasons, like one, two, and three. I feel in my opinion. So I can't wait to delve into that at some point. But also, before we go, Mr. Davis, we need to throw a shout out to a very special someone, don't we? Mr. Andrew Zer, who very kindly donated, I will say how much, 100 bucks each to us as, a, as just a Christmas gift because he appreciates the show and appreciates the effort that we've put in this year. And I mean, we don't do it for the acclaim. We don't do it for the, the, the extra goodies that we sometimes get sent in. But Andrew Zer, thank you so, so much. It put a real big smile on my face. And it's just what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be putting it towards buying some new studio lights for this room. I'm going to buy the, the new 4K webcam so I can start doing... We're going to start filming every episode of Four Finger Discount and putting it out on YouTube as well and putting it up in the Patreon group. But yeah, thank you so much, Andrew Zer. It's just... the, the kind of just, that, that kind of generosity at Christmas time is just... It's just incredible, isn't it, Mr. Davis? Andrew, we are absolutely thrilled. I mean, I, I audibly gasped when, uh, when Dando sent me the message that... Uh, that you had so very generously, so lovingly, uh, yeah, thrown a few bucks in the tip jar. Oh, God, I, yeah, Dano uh, said it perfectly. We we appreciate it so so very much. You may regret your decision when um 
when we go online and you have to actually look at us talking about <laughs> the Simpsons every week. But uh, no, look, a, a, a beautiful gesture and very, very much appreciated by the both of us. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's great, man. Really, really, really dig it. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our lovable listeners? I actually do have a few. Now, Ooh, I'm not sure few. if it's going to be the final episode that we put out this year. Mm. Um, Dando's a bit of a slave driver, so he may say, no, we're doing at least three more episodes before <laughs> you know the end of 2020. We've still got two more but, to do tonight, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, what? <laughs> but I would like to say, look, 2020 has been a very... Uh, uh, an odd year, at the very least. It's been a difficult and challenging year for a lot of people. But speaking for myself... Uh, it's been a terrific year because Dando very generously brought me on board to uh, to be part of Four Finger Discount. I mean, I had big shoes to fill in taking over from Mitch, uh, but I'm I'm so stoked that Dando showed enough faith in me that he wanted to bring me on and ask me to be part of it. Uh, but one of the greatest things about it is being part of the Four Finger Discount community that I've discovered and been embraced by. Um, you're all incredibly smart sensitive witty supportive people i think you're just an absolute fucking a team and uh it's a, it's a pleasure for me to uh to be part of this whole sort of uh this whole shebang that's going on so uh many many thanks to dando and many many thanks to all of you who are listening uh it's my pleasure to be part of this show and i hope to be part of it for a lot lot longer so um yeah that's my final words apart from merry christmas everybody